This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. Joining me in a little bit, we're going to have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. But first, we have with us right now, TV's Meredith Morakovitz. How you doing, Meredith? I'm great. Deputy editor. I don't know. It just sounds more important when deputy is in front of it. That's me. I, I, I don't know what to say. Next in line. <laughs> uh, Meredith, it's great to be with you. I, I think I need to make a confession here because the last time we had you on the podcast, it was about a year ago. Yeah. The world was a little bit more normal then, I'll say. But what I do have to acknowledge, and I don't think you ever fully made fun of me for this, is we did the whole thing. We set up all these microphones in, in your living room, whatever, and it was going to be a great episode. And I had set up the mics wrong and your mic just didn't record and the ed- the audio was probably the worst audio of any episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast and it was horrifying and I spent hours doing everything I could to fix it and you never made fun of me enough for it maybe because we didn't really see each other well yeah I haven't seen you in, in pretty much a year but I'll just call it a teachable moment I think that you will probably <laughs> never do that again after that circumstance right like you'll be so paranoid about checking the mic six times not saying that you didn't do that bad day but you'll be so on it it'll never happen again and you know what i'll be the inspiration for that who could how many people could say that i just think it's very kind of you to come back after that experience i i think it says a lot about you and the yes network meredith (laughs) well you know no uh it was fun last time i'm sure it's gonna be fun this time and i think you're feeling a bit of the energy right now as well knowing that Baseball at Yankee Stadium is literally right around the corner. And just seeing fans, the few that are allowed in George M. Steinbrenner Field in the ballpark and how excited they are to be back watching baseball in person. It's been pretty cool. So I thought I have to relay that information to you, John Schwartz. And I appreciate that because it's very strange for me. This is my first time in about two decades of covering baseball. I can count on one hand the number of years in the last 18 years or whatever that I have not been a spring training around this time of year, you know, yeah, you can watch it and you can see it. And one thing I've noticed, whether it's a football game or a hockey game or a spring training game where you have these limited numbers of fans is maybe it's how impacted I was by the fake crowd noise last year, but there's something about even 10% or 20% of a fan base. But when it's real humans cheering for moments, it sounds like a, a full house. 
It's it's just so different. And they did the best they could, given the circumstances last year. That was the only solution that they felt as though was a safe solution. So they did try to do something with that pumped in crowd noise. But anyone you ask or anybody that was able to go and cover games will tell you it was not the same. It just felt weird. You could even hear it on TV. It just didn't give you that same energy and excitement as you would get during a big series or as you would get during a playoff game. And I just can't imagine how loud people are going to be because you mentioned, even though there are only about 2,500 at Steinbrenner Field, it sounds almost like the place is packed. I think it's a combination of we aren't used to hearing live live sound. And then also the people are probably even more excited to voice their opinion and their fandom because it's been so long since they've been able to do it in person. So fingers crossed that Yankee Stadium continues to open up a little bit more and a little bit more. And by the time opening day rolls around, we have a pretty solid crowd in there. And this is something that I hope you can kind of help me understand a little bit too, because I can tell you what it sounds like on television. And this is a point that I was making a little bit last year was, like you said, look, the fact remains, everyone did the best possible job they could last year. No one can complain about anything that didn't go perfectly last year because it was a mess and everyone did the best they could. But the one thing, you know, that I would notice a lot, again, watching on TV or even the times when I, the few times when I was in Yankee Stadium last year was, let's say there's a big home run. Yeah, you can pump that sound up really loud and you can make the stadium sound loud. But the next time, the next batter things kind of reset back to a default mode. Whereas, and you were there and I wasn't, when Gary Sanchez hits a home run over the scoreboard, the reality is that the energy actually stays with the stadium for two to three batters later. It doesn't just go away because the next batter is up. And that's what I think, even when it's just 10% or 20% or 30%, that's what you get. The sense of like the moment like maintaining its aura and its feel kind of riding pitchers a little bit too or having a a bad game but um, I'm trying to remember who was on the mound I apologize this all has kind of been a blur because uh, just to get on the air and and try to do it the way we've been doing it for spring training uh, has been a task but credit to everyone at the Yes Network for finding a way to get us on the air and get it done Um, but it was it was the first or second game I'm trying to remember and somebody came out and we spoke to him afterwards and he said it was the weirdest thing. I was so used to the cardboard cutouts. Not only did the actual crowd noise make you feel good, even though it was a spring training game, the adrenaline automatically went up, the, uh, the energy on the mound automatically went up, but also it was a bit of an adjustment to see people moving behind home plate because it had been so still for a year and you don't even think about things like that. They've been looking at cardboard cutouts for a year or in some places, absolutely nothing at all. So to have people moving in the background, uh, this player told me it was a bit of adjustment as well. So uh, I think it's going to be a whole new world again this year, because as we know, we're not completely back to normal, but we are indeed inching closer. At least that's what I would like to believe. So, and that's some of the stuff that I'm, I want to talk about because I'm curious about how kind of you're handling things right now and how you view the, the upcoming year going. Because I think most people understand the way this works. I mean, if you don't, you know, Meredith uh, before games spends all of her time in the clubhouse and on the field, usually under normal circumstances, you know, kind of reporting on everything, talking to players, talking to coaches and managers, figuring out what's going on, kind of like looking around and seeing everything. And then often, though, during the game, it's not like you don't roam around too much. You're either usually in Camerwell or even in the press box. So 
during the game itself, you are seeing the same thing usually that the uh, under normal circumstances the broadcasters are. Right now, though, with the broadcasters covering the game remotely, but you there, how does that change what you have to do because you are literally the eyes and ears in the stadium? There are definitely times where people are are wondering who's that player going in right now because you know how things turn over really quickly with spring training. Guys get their work in, they're out, somebody else is in. Or you may not get the full picture of the field. They may be on something else and the shift's on and you didn't realize it and you think it was the shortstop that fielded it, but it was really the third baseman or vice versa. You know, uh, Situations like that when guys are shifting, I think it's difficult when you aren't there watching watching it and watching it develop the way you're used to doing it for, I mean, in the case of Michael Kay, he's been there not only on radio, but since the first day of yes. And we're now in our 20th year, 20th season covering the Yankees and carrying the Yankees. Um, so you're used to doing something a certain way for 20 years. And then all of a sudden it has to change. And I give them so much credit because not being able to see anything. I mean, you have an all nine cam for the most part, you have the scoreboard, but there are things that inevitably happen where you don't get the looks that you would like to get or a replay uh, doesn't get rolled until a little while after you would have maybe liked to have seen it just because of the technological uh, capabilities that we're limited with right now. So I think given the circumstance we've done, I hope everybody thinks a a pretty nice job in trying to not change our broadcast too much considering, but, you know, our first day we had Troy Benjamin and Dan Barr, our new producer and director in our Stanford studio in Connecticut, Michael Kay at home in Connecticut, David Cohn in Boca. I myself was in Tampa. Our transmission truck was in Tampa with our head engineer. And I think there was one other person in the truck. So there are a lot of things that people don't realize are going on behind the scenes. And for the announcers, especially like you mentioned with the fans and even the the players coming out saying what a difference it makes for the broadcasters. I think it makes a difference too, because you're feeling the vibe of the crowd. You're seeing more, you're feeling more of the energy. And perhaps if you're not there, it's harder to drum up some of that excitement in certain situations. Both of us, I think that we find that our jobs are to add a little bit of color to the play-by-play, if you will. You know, Yankees Magazine, we're not covering game to game. We're trying to tell bigger stories. And it's not like you're stepping on what Michael Kay or even David Cohn or anyone of them are doing. You're providing, you know, analysis and, and kind of more background and context to the things that they're discussing that are happening. How much more challenging are you finding it right now just because access is so different and the things that you're used to over your, you know, many years of doing this? You're just obviously you've been doing it for a year now at this point. So maybe you have a little bit of familiarity and a little bit of tricks you learned over the last year, but it's not what you're used to in terms of getting the information that you can then convey over the air. It's really tough because there's very, um, very little exclusivity now. It's all group Zooms for the most part. And the Yankees PR staff has done a really nice job. And I'm thankful for the job that they've done in trying to secure us guests uh, for Yes Network. Last year, they did it almost every game or every other game. Uh, This year during spring, we've done it as well. But a, a lot of times it's just kind of what everyone else is getting. Whereas before you'd be able to walk up to a guy and it might've been something that happened two games ago that wasn't really worthy of the press conference post game question, but you were curious about something because it gave you a 
background or some insight into players thinking or the team's approach or their approach. And you're just not allowed to do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. You can text people, you can call people, but you can only go so far with that too, because you don't want to be a complete nuisance bothering somebody 24 seven Hey, what happened on this play? Hey, what happened on that play? So you kind of pick and choose your battles and wait until there's really something you need an answer on before you're kind of reaching out to people in that regard. So it's been tough. And then just, you know, being on the field, doing a lot of one-on-one interviews as part of of my job, not having the face-to-face and not having the, I mean, yes, we're on Zoom. There's human interaction, I guess, but it's, it's just, it's not the same. You can't read the body language the same. And I don't think guys are quite as relaxed as they potentially would be in a dugout interview or in a clubhouse interview when they're on Zoom. I think they're a little bit more guarded and I think it's a little harder to connect with players. And there's no small talk. I mean, there's no, no, no. hey, how you doing? Tell, you know, there's just none, of, none of that stuff that you rely on. I don't want to say, you know, transactionally or superficially, but like when you're trying to get to know somebody and when you're trying to meet somebody, it's literally every question you ask these guys at this point is going out for broadcast to the entire Yankees beat. And look, I know it too. I've been trying to report stories. And again, I'm not covering day-to-day stuff. So when I'm writing a story, it's usually like pointed in terms of one direction. And I have random beat writers or columnists texting me, making fun of me like, hey, so it seems like I know what you're writing about right now. And I'm like, yeah, because I can't report one-on-one. I have to do everything in front of everybody. And that's tough. And then when you have those special interest stories and you're on the day-to-day zoom i would imagine that you almost feel a certain kind of way like oh these people need this this and this so it's like you might have more questions but you have to be respectful almost to the group as a whole so i might have 10 questions but i can only ask two because everybody else has questions too and that's the way it works whereas you know, if you were in the clubhouse or you were even on the warning track during BP, you could walk up to a guy and get five minutes and it wouldn't be a thing. So yeah. it's yeah. a different it's a different world. It's a whole new world. Everybody's dealing with it. It's not like you and I are at a disadvantage. It, it's certainly league wide and not even just MLB, you know, every league. This is what's happening right now. And this is what we need to adjust to. I will say for you, probably the the benefit is you're spending a lot less time in a dark hallway outside of the Yankees clubhouse during spring training camps right now, standing up and waiting for guys to roll by. And the weirdest thing is I would love to do it again. <laughs> like I would take that <laughs> in a heartbeat compared to the way it is now, because it's just, it, it's not the same and it's tough to work under these conditions, but Hey, we're making the best of it. It could always be worse. I'm lucky uh, that I've been knock on wood pretty healthy throughout this, as has my family. So uh, if I have to deal with a couple more Zooms, I have to deal with a couple more Zooms. For sure. Obviously, it's a big week right now. I think probably anyone who's on social media has noticed by now that the Yes Network just launched its new app. Obviously, you know, what what can uh, fans be expecting to see when they go to the App Store and download that right now? How excited? Did you download it yet? Of course I did. How could I not? Thank you. Thank you. Great <laughs> work by you. Uh, yeah. So this is something that we've been working on for a really long time at the Yes Network, and we are very excited about it because it'll give fans one easy access point to stream all of the Yankees games. You're going to get some additional content, some original content. You can also go back to the archives 
and see some center stages, some Yankee classics, some stuff like that. So I think it's going to be a really good thing moving forward. Step one was launching. And then I'm really excited to see what else we do from an original content perspective to give Yankees fans even more of what they want. And that's Yankees baseball. So, so we are basically, you know, kind of what I would call the midpoint of spring training. I think a little bit uh, left to go before we hit the actual midpoint. Obviously, as we record this, you know, we've kind of gotten our first bit of some of the rough injury news that unfortunately Yankees fans have come to expect during spring trainings of recent years. It looks like Zach Britton's going to be on the shelf for a little bit. Uh, Beyond that, though, what have you been seeing in terms of just the atmosphere and the energy and, you know, other things that you've noticed by being while farther away than you're used to still. Still there though. Still there. I mean, the thing that struck me, it seems like guys came in ready to work. There was no, we're getting ready for uh, building ourselves up. It seemed like guys came in and everyone will say this coming into spring training. I'm in the best shape of my life, but I, I truly believed it with a couple people. One being, Glaber Torres certainly did a lot of off-season work. There were issues. We all heard the comments by, from Brian Cashman during summer camp, or I should say after summer camp, about the way he came into summer camp. Just wasn't the same. And he came back really wanting to prove that last year was a fluke. Last year is not the player that he is. He's capable of much more. And he has looked very good this spring. Uh, A lightning rod all the time, it seems like, Gary Sanchez and his play behind the plate and in the batter's box. And he's jumped out to a really good start. Yes, it's only spring training. I get it. But I think you take the positive in it. it. It beats him getting out to a terrible start during spring training and then maybe thinking, wait, maybe the adjustments I made offensively weren't the right thing. And I'm going to interrupt you right there because the fact of the matter is, and and I think this goes for everything about 2020, but also everything about spring training. If you are going to kill a guy for not doing well, even if it's in spring training, then you have to acknowledge when he's doing well in spring training. You can't have it just one way or the other. Right. And, And look, yes, he needs to carry that into the regular season, but I do not get, it seems like, This team is a better team if Gary Sanchez is hitting like Gary Sanchez can hit. They're a better team. They are. He is the best option at the catcher position right now with his power potential. He's made some improvements defensively. Uh, People will always get on him about the pass balls. It's going to happen at times. He certainly worked this offseason a lot with Tanner Swanson to make sure that that happens less and he's in a better place overall behind the plate. But I never got fans almost wishing for guys not to succeed. And that almost feels like what it is with Gary Sanchez. Like you just can't take the small wins. And this is one of those things that goes back to the the amount of time that you're used to spending in the clubhouse. And I, and I've spoken about this before I've written about this before, whatever. So, I mean, you know, better than just about anybody in the world around the Yankees, anyone who wants to suggest or make any comments about Gary Sanchez being lazy has never seen the way the work that guy puts in and the amount of time that goes into his craft. And it's just so transparent what what that means when people say that sometimes. Whereas when you actually watch him and you see him and you see the way that his teammates talk about him and, and, and the teammates rely on him and his coaches talk about him is some of that because it's the job of a team and, a, you know, to, to prop somebody up and help them through this stuff. Sure. But also we see with our own eyes, this is not a guy who sits by his locker on Twitter before the games. It's not that he's going into the batter's box in 2020, hoping to strike out. You think that's fun for him? Absolutely not. 
Uh, and I think it, it shows a lot that he said, look, last last year it was terrible. It was only 60 games, but I'm being judged on that on the 60 game season. And I understand that. But I'm going to try to put in as much work as possible, play in the Dominican Republic, try to get my swing right, do more things to feel more comfortable behind the plate defensively and working with Tanner Swanson to put myself in a better position to succeed in 2021. And he worked with not only Tanner, but he worked with Marcus Timms before he even went back to the Dominican Republic, really breaking down his swing, uh, trying to adjust some things to really allow him to be in a better position to hit the fastball, which killed him last year. He couldn't hit a fastball. And when you can't do that, you're, you're in a heap of trouble. So he just didn't seem like he was able to catch up with a lot of them. And that seems to have been rectified so far this spring. And you hope it continues. You really do. But I, I kind of uh, definitely agree with your point in that there's there's been that narrative that he's lazy and he doesn't care and he doesn't want it. And that is just certainly not the case. It's, it's always hard with the Yankees in some sense, because, look, I'm 39 years old, so I kind of came of age in a lot of ways, you know, in terms of learning, really understanding baseball and, and appreciating Major League Baseball with the Yankees win it all every year. And so every single time the Yankees don't win it all at this point, you, you try to look at the the failures that caused that when in reality, it's because. Other teams are trying to, you know, the, the the Rays didn't want it more than the Yankees did last year. The Rays in game five got a home run at the last in the last inning and they won the game. I mean, it's going to happen sometimes. I think that there is some sense of more than maybe we were used to a decade ago, whatever, about just doom among Yankees fans and kind of assuming the worst. Whereas if you look at this roster right now, and frankly, and I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves, if you look at the division right now. The Yankees are very, very good and very well positioned right now. And it's going to be a fun team to watch. And even in spring training, it is a fun team to watch. It really is because they have a mix of some veterans and some youth. And I think that's always a nice combination. I'm looking forward to seeing how Davey Garcia continues to develop this year. He pitched again the other day, three scoreless innings, looked really good on the mound. And he just carries himself like he's been there for years and the kid's young, you know, you forget sometimes how young he is, but to your point about how good this roster looks, yeah, it does look good on paper. And I think you would be crazy if you didn't agree with that. But I think where the doom and gloom with the Yankees fans comes in a lot, especially over the last three seasons as somebody who gives so many injury reports, the injury <laughs> have just been debilitating. I mean, crippling for this team. If they can find a way to keep Judge and Stanton on the field, and for the most part, although we've already seen two injuries to the pitching staff, but your main guys in that rotation, it's a big ask, but if they can somehow find a way to stay healthy, I mean, I don't see how this team doesn't make a serious, serious, serious run because I believe they're upgraded when it comes to their starting rotation. And I know they got the hit to uh, their bullpen when it comes to Zach Britton, who will be out a little while, you know, time for other guys to step up. That That is a blow. There's no doubt about it, but I still think they're in a good position. Well, we all look forward to following along with you as you tell us about it this year, hopefully telling us about way fewer injuries as the season goes on. But Meredith, while I uh, I miss getting to chat with you in the clubhouse, I look forward to hopefully seeing you at the stadium in a few weeks because the team's coming north, which means Meredith comes north. She leaves her 75 to 85 degree uh, clear water environment and has to slum it while we're getting like 60 yesterday and today. So you know what? It's okay here right now. 
I know. If you can just keep the heater on up there, I'd greatly appreciate it. And for those wondering about that Yes app, uh, don't forget, you can also get Brooklyn Nets, Liberty, and NYCFC content on there too. So check it out, my friends. We certainly will. Meredith, thank you so much. Stick with us because when we come back, we're going to have Alice Anasiri on, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Davey Garcia. So we will be back in a minute. Hi, this is Aaron Boone. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. As promised, I'm here now with our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. How's it going, Al? It's going well, thank you. It's great to talk to you. It's uh, it's especially great because the last episode we did, you know, we were able to start talking about things with the magazine and everything like that. And now finally we're at the point when we're sitting here literally with the magazine in front of us. We're not back at the stadium, but it does start feel like, you know, it's that time of year when everything's really ramping up for us. And uh, the reason we don't have Nathan Makaborski with us right now is because he is so completely underwater as we try to do the April magazine and yearbook at the same time. But of course, it is always good to speak with you, Al. It's great to be here. And I feel the same excitement, John, you know, just, you know, I said to, to Nathan yesterday, you know, going through each feature in the yearbook as they come in makes me more excited for opening day, makes me more excited for the yearbook coming out. We have our cover in place, which we don't normally have until the very, very, very last minute, as you know, and you've lived for many, many years. But, you know, it's it's up on, you know, Yankees.com. It's exciting to think about it and look at it. And um, I keep printing it out. And, uh, you know, if I throw away the, the copy of it, I'll print another one out. And also just having a, a magazine out already, you know, with Whitey Ford on the cover and all these great features is, is equally as exciting. For sure. And, you know, as we talk about this magazine, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, a couple hours ago, uh, Davey Garcia pitched his second spring training start of the year and was awesome. It's been interesting watching him. It's been fun. And we have a story in this issue that I was lucky enough to write about Davey called Patience, Poise, and Pinstripes. It is kind of the second story I've written about Davey. The first one was kind of about him and Blake Shear of the Yes Network and the show Homegrown. I kind of made him the focus of that along with her. But man, it's a... it's fun uh, when you spend a lot of time in someone's head and then, you know, you haven't seen someone pitch in a while and, and, and his first two times out there, whether the games count or not, he looked like the way you hope for when you have a big story about him in the magazine. You know, I was so impressed with him last year in the starts that he made and, you know, and then you wrote this story and a lot of the things that, you know, kind of struck me just from literally watching from afar and truly from afar last year were were so many of the, you know, same comments that, the stakeholders in the story made. And a lot of that revolved around his confidence. We all know he has the ability. If he didn't have the ability, he wouldn't have, you know, risen through the minor leagues as quickly as he did. He wouldn't have had the, you know, all the excitement surrounding him. But then he, you know, he gets to AAA, you know, there are a couple of hiccups here or there, whatever. But he he's not shaken by that. 
it's no accident that we threw poise right there in the headline because it is the first thing you notice about him. You know, he's he's not a big guy, he's short, but you know that anecdotally, but you don't necessarily look at a guy standing alone in the mound and figure out his height. Yes, he's shorter than some other pitchers, but you don't recognize always how small he is. What I recognize, and this goes back to the first few times I watched him pitch, is the impact of his poise and confidence. And also, I think, and I didn't necessarily get this into the story, but it was confirmed to me by Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake, the absolute wonder that is the minor league pitchcock. Because if you watch him when he gets onto that mound, you could tell that he's a young guy who came up basically the entire time with that 15 or whatever time it is, pitchcock in the minor leagues, because he gets the ball, he stands firm, and he delivers. And there is no doubt in my mind that if you are psychologically trying to teach a young player on how to handle the moment, what you want them to do is just keep working and and don't take that time to get into your own head about the fact that standing across from you right now, instead of some triple A or four A player or whatever, you know, you're looking at Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, and, and thinking about what he can do to a ball if he connects it. No, just get the ball and release it. And he just, he doesn't fidget. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there on the mound and just gets it and delivers, gets it and delivers. And I'm sure that you're going to see this year some batters trying to slow him down a little bit more. But I mean, it, it is, again, it's, this is a 21-year-old kid who just gets the ball and he is completely in command of the situation from every second of his starts. It's impressive. There's no no doubt about it. And, and it does, you know, kind of, sync up with you know the type of poise and confidence that he has that he's you know what i what i remark about is just the consistency of his approach you know like what you were talking about is you know it's very very quick he has that that clock obviously and he had that clock in the minors and it's you know it's a quick delivery get the ball deliver get the ball deliver but he never deviates from it and it's just it and and what i'm impressed by that why i'm impressed by that is because a lot of times you see pitchers deviate from that when things are not going well. It's easy to stay in your rhythm and kind of just stay on the same cadence and the same thing when you're rocking and rolling and, you know, you're, you're getting guys out one after another and all that stuff. But even at times, and there haven't been many, but when things aren't going well, he doesn't lose that poise. And I think that's the true, truest sense of poise is you remain poised when you're getting beat up a little bit and he still delivers it quickly. And I love it. I mean, he reminds me of um, a lot of old school quarterbacks and a lot of old school pitchers, guys that throw the ball, you know, like throw an interception, they're, they're raring to go and get back out onto the field as quickly as they can. Same thing with him when he gets in trouble. And, you know, I know it's a cliche, he's old school or whatever. I think he wants to be old school, you know, like his uh, his idol, Pedro Martinez, who maybe it is the size, John, but he, he does certainly have a, a, a way of kind of reminding us of. And I think that that's a sign of his maturity is, look, you know, you're hearing this a lot right now where the Yankees top prospect, Jason Dominguez, you know, people like flinging around things like Mike Trout with him. And like, first off, just totally off that, like, that's unfair. Jason Dominguez has not played a prof- a real professional game yet um, because he, he lost all last year. So like let, let's let's stop that. But at the same time, it's there. It's it's in the air. You can't talk about Jason Dominguez right now in, in, in a lot of circles without knowing that that comparison is being made by some people. 
I think that that's probably overwhelming. With Davey, what you see, though, is he's willing to lean into the Pedro stuff to the point of wearing a number 45 on his belt, which people hilariously thought in his first start, he had grabbed Garrett Cole's belt by accident because it said 45. But, I, you know, I, I knew going back to seeing him in the minor leagues, he has 45 on his mitt. He had all these things. And it's just his tribute to Pedro Martinez. And again, I mean, it, it, it would be very easy for a player to want to walk away from that and just be like, hang on here. And I'm not saying he sits there and says, I am the next Pedro Martinez or I'm like Pedro Martinez or any of these things. It's just a willingness to say, this is who I'm modeling myself after. This is who I aspire to work to become. And I'm not I'm not shy about that. And I think that that's really impressive. And when you back that up with the performance that he has thus far, and look, he had a nearly five ERA last year and a bizarre year. You could tell me to pump the brakes on all this stuff, and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong. I'm just saying he certainly, in a most bizarre year for an incredibly young guy, looked like a big league pitcher. And as Matt Blake says in the story, forgetting about everything else, the year was better than anyone could have expected. And that goes to the fact that as weird as that postseason start was, and as rational as some of the arguments about it can be, which I think even the Yankees will engage with at some point right now that maybe the strategy didn't work that day, that you just have to say it didn't work. They still said in game two of the division series that the guy we want on the mound for the first inning is this 21-year-old kid, Davey Garcia. But, you know, I'm looking at a a picture of him and Andy Pettit in your story. It's a great photo, I guess, from spring training of, of last year. And I think about, you know, Pettit's 1995 season, which was, you know, not the greatest of campaigns you know he got beat up a little bit that year and did some really good things but i just remember you know being a lot lot more naive then and thinking well he didn't do that well this year but the organization was so excited about him because he he did some good things and he cut his teeth in the big leagues and it reminds me so much of what davy garcia did last year he got beat up he succeeded he got put in big spots like pettit in 95 and boy, did he come into 96 with a heck of a lot of promise. And you know, obviously, you know, the rest of that story is history, but it's it's eerily similar at this point. I hope I'm saying that a year from now. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, a year from now, I wonder what we're going to be saying. And this is going this is going to be for every single pitcher and certainly for every single pitching coach and general manager and everyone else in player development. This is going to be an extremely challenging year because the fact of the matter is David Garcia, as we said, is still 21 years old, and he's coming off a season in which he barely pitched. And frankly, no one pitched a whole lot, but you know, there wasn't a minor league season. So Davey was at the alternate site, and he was actually a little behind at the beginning because it wasn't easy for a guy in the Dominican Republic to find places to go throw during the shutdown. It wasn't as easy as it was for the guys who have places around Tampa. So he was a little bit behind, but he, you know, he threw a little bit for that first month in the alternate site, and then he threw I think, what did I say, 30-some-odd innings in in the majors. And then he, he pitched a couple of winter ball innings just to keep him sharp. But but all in all, we're talking, even if you factor in whatever their calculation is at the alternate site, let's let's say through 70 innings with that ca- calculation. Let, I'm, I'm kind of making up that number, but let's say 70. It's a far cry from that to the 200 innings of a major league starter. And so I don't think anyone can rationally expect Davey Garcia to throw 200 innings this year. I don't think it would be healthy or smart for that to happen. So then the question becomes, what do you want from him? And so on the one hand, I think the answer to that is ideally what the Yankees would love, what any player development staff would love 
would be get a year of seasoning for him. As much as he's shown that he belongs in the major leagues, I think they would love if their team was so solid, if their, if their major league rotation was so solid and reliable that they didn't need Davey Garcia. The problem, or if you want to call it a problem, is right now he's looking extremely good on the mound and certainly as though he should be a major league pitcher. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they have to deal with getting him the innings and getting him the rest because like, even if you send him back to AAA – you know, he still has to be pitching and those innings count on your arm over the course of the year. So, so there's no easy answer to this. And it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch all year. And I'll be honest, I think it's gonna be extremely frustrating for a lot of fans who are constantly wondering, you know, David Garcia or or, or name, name your pitcher there is proving that he belongs here. But it, it just there's gonna have to be a lot of work behind the scenes to keep everyone sharp, because the fact is. The Yankees, they need to be competing against certainly the Rays and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Orioles. But they, what they also need to be doing is making sure that they do everything they can between April through September to be ready to go on October 1st, <laughs> which, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself at any point, but you do need a pitching staff in October. So, yeah, sure. Is the ideal situation for the Yankees right now that Garrett Cole, Jameson Tyone, Corey Kluber, Jordan Montgomery, and some combination of maybe, let's say, Domingo Herman and Luis Severino in the second half, that those guys are a reliable one through five all year? Yeah, of course, that's the ideal. But one way or another, David Garcia is going to pitch. The question is just how much and what we're talking about, because he is showing that for ev- for all the other stuff, he belongs as a major league p- pitcher. And that the moment isn't too big for him. The mound isn't too big for him. The spotlight isn't too big for him. He's showing that he can do it. It's just, again, I don't know how you figure out a, a, a battle plan for all these pitchers this year. It's going to be fascinating. It, it really is. And, and there's no doubt that it's going to be a challenge for, you know, the, you know, the baseball operation brain trust and Aaron Boone and, you know, his whole staff, as well as, as Brian Cashman and his whole staff, but they've been masterful at that over time, using players and particularly pitchers, I should say, for the right amount of time. So I, I think they're in the right, you know, they, they certainly have a, a great pedigree there in terms of knowing how to deal with this. And the other thing that, you know, I like is the number of viable options that there are right you know, there's not five guys that you look at and like, oh, these are the five guys who have the potential to be good starters or quality starters. It's deeper than five. It's, and, and maybe it's going to have to be based on what you just said, because it's not healthy or fair to expect a Davey Garcia or, you know, even even Kluber, Tyone, guys who are coming off of injuries to to ramp it up, so to speak, to, you know, 180, 190, 200 innings. But there's options, and um, I think that's a good thing, and um, and something that's gonna gonna pay some dividends down the road. And I think the you know the number of pitchers that were brought in or signed or brought back you know coincides with that. You know, and the other thing that you know I think plays into the to the team's favor is just how deep their their bullpen is. You know, and guys are gonna get injured and you know come up and down, but but they have a deep core of relief pitchers that we've seen and many that we haven't seen. And I think when you have that type of bullpen and Yankees, I can almost say historically have had, but at least for the last five years or so, you know, it it helps to not, you know, have starters numbers hit that 180, 200 type of innings over the course of the year, because you're, you know, you're, you're able to get them out in the fifth or sixth inning if you want to, even if they're doing well. So I think a lot of things plays in, in the favor of Davey Garcia being put in a position where he can best succeed. And, and that's, that's hugely important. 
I agree. And look, I think that we have no reason uh, to have any, not to have anything but faith in, you know, the way they're going to handle him and everyone else. It's just going to be interesting because, like I said, it's not as simple as saying, okay, you know, let's send him down to AAA and then bring someone else up here. You have to manage, even in AAA, the time that he's pitching. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see what that number is where they end up because the Yankees lately have been running into some injury issues uh, the last few years and have had to rely on their depth. And it's a credit they have the depth. I think as good as Davey Garcia is, the best case scenario for the Yankees is that they don't see him that much because their top line starters all stay healthy and all look great. And Cashman himself said that, like, look, you know, we know what he can do. Our goal is not to rely on a guy like that, but it's nice to know we can. We know what he can do. And I think that that was certainly what I took from watching him over the last few years, but definitely talking to him before spring training this year, just the incredible maturity, the incredible intellect uh, with which he was able to talk about his pitching development and the science behind it and, and just his interest in talking to everybody, whether it's his coaches or Garrett Cole on the bench and just learning as much as he can from these guys. Uh, he's an impressive kid. He's stoic and he's poised, to, I mean, not to keep repeating ourselves, but he's also incredibly engaging and incredibly interesting and incredibly, it seems, interested in what it means to be playing this role right now. And I, you're crazy if you don't look at him and get excited for everything that he could possibly do. I agree. You did a great job with the story, John, again. And the, the other thing, too, I'll, I'll I'll say I, I called our photographer and, and photo editor, Ari Heck, after I got the PDF of this story to, to look at for the first time, even before it went to print. And um, I was also incredibly excited about just the overall presentation of this story. You know, a lot of our stories, the opening spread of the stories will have a photo on one side of the spread and not the other or something like this. But this overhead photo of Davey Garcia is incredible. It's an incredible opening spread, as are so many of the other photos throughout the story. One with Gary Sanchez, one with Andy Pettit that I mentioned earlier. They're, they're just this very aesthetically pleasing, really cool look to it. Well, it's one of the weird benefits of 2020 in that Ari was not allowed in her normal on-field photo well. And so what we're seeing right now is we as we build these stories that you're all going to see in the yearbook and the April issue and all season long photos from last year. And, and who knows what our access is going to be at the stadium this year. But everything last year was shot from an angle that we are not used to shooting at. And a lot of times I know that was frustrating for Ari. And I know a lot of times we needed some photos that were more standard that she couldn't get because she wasn't in her normal place. But in exchange for that, we have these overhead shots from places that we almost never have. And it's really fun to go through this stuff right now and get the opportunities to make it look almost like we have four photographers at a game because of these different angles when really it's just right now Ari at every game using as much creativity as she can because, you know, while while she wasn't allowed where she wanted to be last year, what she was allowed to do was roam around a little bit more in some areas that she's not used to being during games. So I think that fans of our magazine can certainly look forward to that over the coming year of seeing just what we think is some pretty impressive art that we're lucky to bring. But I hope by now everyone who subscribes has gotten their spring issue. If you haven't, certainly, you know, go to your local Hudson News or go to GMS Field in Tampa if you can manage it and pick up a copy there. But Al, it's uh next time we talk, we are going to be really, really, really getting ready for opening day. And that is a crazy thing to say right now as we approach the one year mark of the world being shut down and everything like that. I think that we can all look to April first kind of as a very significant uh, moment of us maybe getting to come out and rejoin the world. 
Absolutely. And, and for, the, for our listeners who are in the Northeast today, I, I think there's even more of a, a feeling of promise and, you know, just feeling good because it's actually warm today. And it feels like baseball could actually be played and the snow is melting and, you know, it makes you kind of even even realize even more how how close opening day is and just rocking and rolling through spring training. So it's great being with you and, and uh, can't wait for for all the weeks ahead. This would be a positively balmy opening day compared to some that we've had recently. This would, this would more than do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Al, I will definitely look forward to speaking to you soon. And uh, to all the rest of you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. And before you go, I'd like to ask that if you enjoy what you heard today, please make sure you tell your friends, subscribe, tell your friends to tell their friends, tell your friends to grab their friends' phones and subscribe for us. We're available at yankees.com slash podcast or at any podcast app. And the best way to keep up with what we're doing and all the things that we have planned is to make sure you subscribe. So I hope you'll do that. It really helps if you'll leave us a review and leave us a rating, that stuff. It just helps more people discover us. And the other thing that we'd ask, of course, is that you send us any thoughts you have over email, podcast at yankees.com. Maybe you have questions, maybe you have recommendations, maybe you have things you want to see. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, you can also follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine, where you can keep up to date with everything that we have coming up in these next few weeks as we get ready for opening day. And if you're not a subscriber to Yankees Magazine, I mean, the season's about to start, so there's no better time. You can go to yankees.com slash publications or call 800-GO-YANKS for details on all the subscription packages that we have available. You can pick up a yearbook, you can pick up a media guide, so many great publications that we have available to you. And lastly, of course, if you want to see our content online, get a taste of it at yankees.com slash magazine. There you'll find our latest features, such as the piece about David Garcia and so many others that we're really proud to share with you. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks! Hi, this is Aaron Hicks. For more stories like this one, subscribe by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.